you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I love my Kindle. I buy lots of digital books there. Uh, I have a Bible software called Lagos Bible Software that is worth more than my uh, wife's car. Um, I regularly pare my library down and scan highlights and notes, and uh, I can fit most of my library on one bookshelf in my office. I love the ease and uh, uh, kind of faster pace of study. You can search everything for Matthew 5, and it just shows up, and it's all there. But there's something about a paper book that just can't be replicated when you're swiping or when you're trying to highlight with your stylus and your iPad or you're trying not to copy across the page break in Kindle. There's uh, a few books that uh, I just keep in paper, these books that um, are, are memories from a particular time. My first copy of Ender's Game is threadbare and torn apart, but it sits on my shelf because I remember the year I read that book like 10 times. My uh, first copy of The Story of God, The Story of Us, this book that kind of changed my understanding of the biblical narrative, uh, I've kept in paper. And I've kept, uh, this is actually just a teeny sampling of the Bibles that your pastor has accumulated through the years. Um, I do let many of them go, um, but I keep some of them because those pages have memories even beyond the words. Um, Mom had two Bibles uh, in my entire life of knowing her, and she took them to everything she went to. Every Sunday morning, she'd get in with the bulletin before worship started, and she'd take her little ribbons, and, uh, you know, we came from a high church, too, and she'd mark all four of the readings, and she'd get her hymnal out and mark those. She would uh, take notes in the margins. There's still a copy of one of the Bible studies from uh, before she died in here. Um, I can flip through the pages and see her experiencing her faith. And, and it tells a story that's different for her than maybe for other people. My father uh, was the more outwardly pious one, and he uh, was proud that he knew where all the books of the Bible were. Mom had no shame in her game. She put the little tabs right on the side, and if you told her to flip to Obadiah, she got there before Dad did. He was also part blind, but that's a different story. Um, this Bible is special to me. Um, it is one of those things I would grab if there was a fire. Um, I can uh, see this sitting uh, on our dining room table next to a daily bread devotional and mom's pack of Winston 100s. This was uh, a sacred text beyond being the sacred text. Um, And so even though I've got this very Bible in my Bible software, uh, this one lives with me. I'm not going to spend that much time on all these because y'all don't care nearly as much as I do, but... um, it's Bible Sunday, so we talk about Bibles, right? We give our third graders the Bible, and we give our kindergartners the Bible. Uh, this is my NIV Cultural Background Study Bible. Uh, I found, this Bible was published towards the end of my seminary career, but it's built off another uh, series of studies. And this study Bible uh, speaks to my heart because it's about the culture of Israel. Uh, it's, okay, this thing that makes no sense to us is explained in the footnotes, and now it opens up 
uh, new understandings for me of what was going on in their day. So what is a mustard seed? Uh, how does that function within uh, this particular agrarian society? When they talk about the, the gates of hell could not hold you back, there's literally a place in Caesarea called the gates of hell where there's burning inside this rock. Uh, this Bible does that for me, and, and there's something about it being in paper and you seeing the little pictures and the charts, and uh, I would, I would uh, lament this Bible leaving. Uh, my seminary gave me this when I graduated. They gave us a Bible for graduation from seminary. Surely they presumed we already had one, right? <laughs> um, and it's a translation we wouldn't even support. Uh, I would never read from this because it's not gender inclusive. It's just all brothers, 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 and never mentioned sisters. Um, but I keep it because it marks a particular moment in time that was uh, pretty major for me. Um, these two kind of go together. These were my lifeline during the pandemic. Uh, this is the Lectio Divina Study Bible, or not Study Bible, Lectio Divina Prayer Bible, where you can go to any passage and it gives you kind of a prompt for read this, pray this, and applying this. Uh, and then for any of you who spent two plus years with us praying evening prayer, uh, this is my combination NRSV and Book of Common Prayer. Um, for much of the pandemic, we turned to the prayer of Compline every night at nine o'clock. Uh, and offered up uh, hopes and lots of laments. Um, and this was there uh, throughout all that. Um, these are maybe my two most special Bibles. Uh, it's two different copies of the same common English Bible, thin line Bible. It feels holy when you pick it up. There's a feeling, right? Like you can't just pick up this like cardboard Bible and it feels as as the same, but these are the perfect feeling Bible to preach from. And these Bibles uh, have been in my hand for every sermon I've ever preached. Uh, this one is from 2014 to October of 2022. Uh, once the second half of Revelation fell out, it was kind of time to, uh, to retire it. So it sits on the shelf, and we bought a replacement one. Uh, and I go ahead and mark some key texts where whenever I need to, I can flip to Daniel 7 uh, whenever we want to talk about the Son of Man, I can just flip right there. I can flip to Tobit 14 to talk about Israel's hope in the time of Jesus. I can flip to Genesis 15 and the story of uh, Abraham's covenant. And then I always have a little tab for this week's reading. Uh, tape a little outline of the sermon in the front just in case you didn't know that. I tape a timeline of the biblical events in the back. And this accompanies me every time uh, I go to God seeking a word to bring to you. Um, I don't preach from any other Bible. Um, the CEB is the translation that has uh, wrecked me pastorally. This particular version comforts me when I come to the chancel. Um, and so I will order some more of these before they go out of print so that hopefully they can last as long as my career does. Um, and we'll just keep putting labels on them. And I have one more Bible that has very little uh, use. And it's not because it's not incredible. This is my copy of The Message by Eugene Peterson. Um, it's a beautiful translation. And don't let anybody tell you it's not a translation. Peterson studied with some of the greatest scholars out there in terms of Old Testament study. Uh, he translated The Message, which, if you don't know, is a very easy reading uh, translation. It's, it's definitely thought for thought. So instead of translating one Greek word to one Greek word, it's what's this idea to an idea? I bought this my second year of seminary uh, when I first attended the Offerings Community of First United Methodist Church. 
first year of seminary, I had uh, come from home uh, and a church split. Uh, my church had received a black pastor and overnight I watched a third of the people leave our church because our pastor was black. And I stuck around, because that's what you should do, right? Uh, and then I, I continued to watch uh, the vitriol of even those who stayed. We should take the staff pictures off the website so nobody knows we have a black pastor. This is from people who have taught me and raised me. And this was kind of my last taste of the church before seminary. I came to Asbury knowing I loved Jesus, but not really understanding how the church uh, represented that Jesus that I thought I knew. My first year of seminary, it was kind of a back and forth. My best friend from seminary uh, was from Mexico. He was doing Hispanic ministry in uh, Hamilton and Mason, Ohio, and we would go up there every other weekend and do ministry, and then I would go to Embrace Church uh, when I wasn't in Cincinnati. And then Felsch and I started dating, and uh, we had to find our church for the second year of seminary. We couldn't, have, we couldn't go to my church, and her first year of seminary, she preached at a church in West Virginia, so we definitely weren't going there every week. Um, and so we started looking, and we visited everywhere. There was always something that didn't feel right. Either the Sunday schools weren't, weren't kind of connecting, or the, the message was whatever. We went to one, and his whole sermon was, thank God we're not United Methodists. <laughs> well... Can't really go there. Um, kind of killed me with that one. Uh, and then we finally, on September 11th, 2011, landed at the Offerings Community of First United Methodist Church. And, uh, and we knew something was different. Um, we saw this group of people who would pray for each other and, and lift up their prayer concerns right in the middle of this room. You know, this has happened this week, and then literally somebody would pray for that in this moment. And, uh, and uh, Felsha got appendicitis the next week, and our first thought was, well, they should pray for us. And uh, as we got into offerings, we discovered the offering story. I just assumed it was called offerings because that's a churchy word, right? Like, we call churches either the Andover Campus, the First United Methodist Church, or the, like, Lancaster United Methodist Church, or we call them some catchy Christian word, like, the well. <laughs> um, we do, right? And they all have meaning. The well is a deeply important image you know, new life, whatever. Yeah, that's a really important, I get all these names. Uh, so I just assumed offerings was using Christian things because we do an offering every week in worship. But it wasn't. It was from Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 8. These texts that Darren read to us today from the Common English Bible. And the first time I heard it read from the message, I went and bought one and I bookmarked it. So uh, Romans 12 one through eight in the message. This is tiny writing. So, and my glasses are in the office. I didn't realize it was this small, Marilyn. I might need somebody to. So here's what I want you to do. Bree, that is very sweet. I will take you up next time. Uh, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God will do for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. 
Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And it keeps going into this beautiful picture of the body. And uh, the CEB is pretty clear, but this one is like, hey, if you're a toe and it gets cut off, it's pretty useless. Uh, If you're a thumb and that's all that's left, it doesn't do much, does it? And, um, And this wrecks me every time I read it. The others, you know, talk about uh, a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. And these are all pretty acceptable translations of the Greek that is uh, nuanced there. But Peterson tells us to bring our everyday ordinary eating, sleeping, drinking, and walking around lives and offer them to the Lord. And this is where offerings got its name. And this was the thing that drove these people. This idea that their lives would be so clearly an offering to God this is what we, we would know as holiness, that we allow God to take hold of our heart and to transform us in ways that we do look distinctly different. That our eating, drinking, sleeping, walking around is noticeably different than those who are not in Christ. Offering ourselves, uh, embracing what God does is the best thing you can do. And I love how he points that, that we can embrace what God has done for us because God has done this. God has made you an elbow and you a knee. And then you just have to figure out how to be the best elbow and the best knee or the best Achilles tendon or the best plant fasciitis, the, that thing in the bottom of your foot that becomes plantar fasciitis if you don't take care of it. Somebody's got to do that for the church, right? Somebody's got to have a good arch or else we're all going to be in here with tennis balls just rolling our feet around. Uh, we, we need... Felsha had a season with plantar fasciitis, and I know all the tricks from Lex and Podiatry. Um, but, but we can be the best fascia, fascia, right? We can be the best ACL. We know what it's like if, if you've had somebody in your life tear their meniscus, right? We know uh, it will tear the body apart. I have officially begun uh, a new phase of the aging process this week. I got orthotics. Uh, insurance covers them. We've already hit our deductible after all of Parker's surgeries and stuff this year. So like, sure, we'll get these things. And she said, put them in your shoes and wear them for no more than two hours. It's going to hurt. She's like, somewhere between your feet and your head, it is going to hurt because it's going to go in your ankles and up through your knees and to your hips and up to your spine. And and it's going to align you. And I did not believe her. I had not made the elevator, and my back was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) We need good, supported feet in the church. We need uh, the the parts to align together. And we do that through offering our lives to God. You know if you're offering your life to God, right? If you're really completely honest, you can have your own soul check-in and you can answer the question, have I offered my everyday, ordinary, eating, drinking, sleeping, and walking around life to God? You can look at your relationships with your friends in your life and see uh, whether... uh, you look different. You can look at how you maybe relate to your children and the way you have structured your entire lives and ask, have I offered my life 
as an offering to God. In your uh, golden years, you can examine the state of your heart and say, have I offered up these moments in this part of my life where everything is different and I don't know what to do? Have I offered this part of my life to God? I expect if you reflect back, there are moments that you're absolutely sure you have offered your life to God. And there are moments, even in the past week, where you go, whew, I'm not sure that part of my everyday, ordinary eating, sleeping, drinking, and walking around lives was offered up to God. I have prayed every day for years for God's sanctifying grace to make me holy. And every week I'm still aware of the ways in which I am needing to be made holy. I'm praying for God to just make it happen. Right? Just get me all the way there. Sanctify me today. Uh, but part of the work of us loving God is checking in with ourselves and going, no, I'm not there yet. So God, pour out more grace. So friends, whether you can only think of a moment or two where your life has been uh, not so well offered up this week, or whether you look back and you go, man, every moment was a train wreck. Receive that which God has already prepared for you. Draw deeply on his grace. And then may we come together and support one another. The beautiful thing is you're not in this alone. We don't need a bunch of lopped off thumbs. We need some fascia and some knees and some elbows. We need some appendices. Is it appendices when it's multiple appendixes in, in your body or is it just, okay. We need some appendices. We need some gallbladders. You know, we need all of that be the very body of Christ that we're called to be in this particular place and time. Amen? Amen. Friends, receive this as our prayer. May we take our everyday ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around lives and place them before God as an offering. God, help us embrace you and receive all that you have for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.